gentlemen and listeners from all over the globe welcome back to the woody allen retrospective where we do our continuing sub project woody allen adjacent i am your host donald wonder and i'm joined as always with my co-host with the most james daniel walsh hey everybody uh, doing good doing good excited to talk about this one took nine months was it nine months yeah how iconic and on point is that since the first two movies were nine years apart and this movie i think it was about 10 or 11 nine years it was nine years between uh the first and the second and the second and the third oh well there you go then so we're nine for nine uh, honestly it wasn't even intentional james it wasn't even <laughs> intentional but before we get into our most recent movie last time if you've been following the retrospective we spoke about that movie with uh kavid kavid zahidi I might be butchering his name. I am a sex addict. Very divisive movie. Interesting conversation. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put a link in the YouTube card. I'll put a link in the YouTube card in the top right hand corner, which you can click on. Don't forget, we've got a playlist of the Woody Allen reviews we've done in the past, the adjacent reviews that we've done in the past. And if you want to support the show, you can do it in two ways. You can leave a review for free. Just take some time out jump on itunes leave a review helps us grow and lastly we do have a patreon campaign so if you want to support us financially for us a few bucks you know some starbucks money we'd appreciate it and we'll put it into the show so with all that preamble set aside why don't we talk about the movie that we're going to be talking about today as james alluded to we're continuing we're finishing off the trilogy the last piece of a puzzle, well, the last piece so far, that James is going to usher us into, James. So what are we going to be discussing on this episode? We're going to be discussing the 2013 Richard Linklater movie, Before Midnight. And I am, there's so much I want to say about this movie, because although all three movies are great, even this movie, I always felt like this one was the, the distant cousin to the trilogy there was something about this one that seems to get not just myself but even checking other reviews there's a different feel to this one which is quite obvious because the tone is very different the first time i watched it way back when i found myself disappointed with the direction and the tone now watching it again i feel like i understand what well, does i think i could put my feelings in context a bit more and I feel like it makes a bit more sense to me, but I still have a few problems with it that I'll get into. But James, if you don't mind, since we've never heard you speak about this movie before, why don't you tell us about your experiences before and now on the rewatch? This was the, the first of the movies that, uh, that I saw right away when it came out. The other two, before sunrise, uh, Sunset, I saw pretty quick, but uh, before Midnight, I was really looking forward to it when it came out. And um, I was horrified. <laughs> I, uh, it felt 
very disturbing. And um, if you've ever gone through uh, a crisis in a relationship, and I was at the time going through one, uh, it's very close to home. Mm-hmm. I have not revisited it since that first time that I watched it uh, until I watched it again to, to get ready for this. And so going into it more prepared for what it was going to be uh, made it go down a little bit easier, but it is so tense and uh, it is not like the first and second movie. I would not, I mean, this is definitely, if I was going to categorize it, I would still put it in the category of a romance, but uh, it's more like, you know, the first two was sort of uh, the exciting parts of a romance. This is the, this is the dark part. This is the part where you've been together for a while. The romance is, you know, it's not as uh, bright and shiny as it used to be. You got kids, you know, I always, I've always said like romance is meeting and flowers and all that love is following somebody into the bathroom. It's, it's not the pretty part. It's the part that you go where you accept a person for everything that they are. And uh, that's to me what this movie is more, more about. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have to see this movie from a different lens now because I had the knee-jerk reaction of disappointment the first time I saw it because I felt like the first two movies were a lot more hopeful and I felt there was a lot more positive energy to it. Although the second one does deal with disappointment and loss and them coming to terms with possibly them not cementing their relationship or maybe the boat assailed. And this one... It feels like to me, I know it's going to be a really weird thing to say now because one of the big conceits of this whole series is that time passes, that the actual time in life passes. Nine years, nine years, nine years. A lot can happen in nine years. But when you look at the flow of the first two movies, for me, when I watched this movie, I said, you know what? This movie feels like the fourth movie. You know, I saw the movie where they just getting to know each other, had that fling, the second movie when they kind of rekindled. And then you jump all the way to this movie and so much has happened between the last movie and this one. And again, it's a movie, so there's got to be some exposition. They explain, they tell you a lot of what happened throughout the movie, especially near the last argument part, the last quarter of the movie, well, the last half of the movie, really. And it just feels like so much tense relationship stuff happened that it does feel like you're jumping from one tone to the other. And that's what, you know, from a critical perspective, I'm just like, it feels so different from those two movies because I don't know if it was intentional for it to be more light and positive in that way where this one, as you said, it's very realistic and everything they say, everything they portray as actors and dialogue, nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with the construction and the delivery, except for one thing I'll get to personally in a moment. But it's just, I wasn't ready. You know, it's just, it's just something I wasn't prepared for. And I felt like I was just thrown in the deep end with this one. It's hard to criticize the movie for being real, because when they explain all the things they've been through, rightly so, all of the arguments they're having, I'll get to 
specific character things later. But all the things they've been through with the pregnancy and the moving and, you know, Ethan Hawke and his kid, it's very understandable why they're, you know, having these disputes and arguments and it's done really well. It's just tonally, it just, I just wasn't ready, you know? And, and that's the thing, even now, when you put this as a trilogy, this always feels as slightly a bit odd because it feels like to see this as a more of a, let's say an easier progression, you would need to see them maybe two years into their relationship as it actually cemented, you know, when they were dating and when they were pregnant, some of that stuff I wouldn't mind seeing, but because you skipped those years and we're just straight into the, the kind of bitterness and the resentment from the last movie, it just feels like that the whole part for this relationship personally feels a bit diminished. To me, the thing that I actually, uh, I think is kind of brilliant about it is the, the first two movies are about getting to know somebody. And, you know, they're, they have this whirlwind romance in the first one. And then in the second one, life hasn't quite worked out the, the way that they wanted it to and they reconnect and it's like oh well you know it's almost like they think this will solve all of my problems it, you know the, the first two movies it's like they, they what did they spend together like 12 hours in the first one and i think the second one plays out in real time so like an hour and a half two hours yeah this one they've been together for nine years yeah and this is not about falling in love this is about being in a relationship and you know all like i said the, the first two it's it's all romance because they're just meeting and it's very exciting and everything this it's the day-to-day -day grind and yeah. putting up with somebody and uh, you know i i'm the one that has to you know pick up your clothes when you throw them on the floor and um you know it's it's not romantic in the same way you've been with this person day in day out and you're a little bit sick of them you're a, a little bit tired of it and you know that being together that they thought was going to solve all of their problems it didn't yeah and i think they're a little bit bitter about the, this idealism that they had in their youth is gone and yeah. They're blaming it on each other, but really it, it is just kind of part of getting older. And also, you know, I, I talked about this when we reviewed the other two, them not understanding how affluent they are, how privileged they are, and sort of walking around like, you know, uh, oh, I'm not fulfilled, I'm not, blow, you know, while... You know, another person watching this is just going, motherfucker, you are walking along the beach in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my, my last vacation was sitting on the couch for a week because I couldn't afford to go anywhere else. And some, you know, somebody would be watching like that and just thinking, uh, you know, I, I still have that feeling of just like they're so dissatisfied with their amazing lives. <laughs> and it's it is a little bit sickening still that would be my biggest criticism of all three of the movies is they don't even acknowledge how lucky they are 
Do you know what's funny? You say that, but there is a scene in this movie where Ethan Hawke throws that in Judy Deppley's uh, character's face because she's she's mm-hmm. moaning about how she's put upon, how he wants to put her in a box, which I'll, I want to we'll zero in on the character specifically in a moment. But first, I want to pose this question to you because I can't criticise this movie really because what they went out to do I think they did it fantastically. I think going in with that, I wanna f- I wanna do a movie about, you know, the relationship when we're past the honeymoon period, way past the honeymoon period, way past the parenting period, the part where, you know, you guys have lived a life and you're getting sick of each other and you know you're resenting each other. I appreciate that and I love that from Rich and Nick now. But as a look, this is the problem. When you look at this movie as a series and you jump to that here. I feel like the other story is missing. The story where I wanted to get to this movie. Because this movie, for me, it's always going to be the fourth movie in terms of the story. The third movie is the movie they told us in retrospect, where they just kind of filled in the gaps with, which I actually wanted to see. I actually want to see the progression of that. But again, from a director's perspective, that's what he chose to do as as a story writer. Now... You know, I I feel like when I've heard three of them, Richard Inklater, Judy Deppley, and Ethan Hawke talk about making this movie, they've all come from this as something they've wanted to do from their own personal experience. The first two was idealistic. I guess Richard Inklater was like the main story writer in the first two. He had an idea of a romance. But then on this third movie, from all the interviews I've seen, they've actually wanted to inject a lot of their thoughts and feelings about life and relationship in this movie. So they... To me, again, they jumped ahead and jumped straight to this. And again, just in terms... Again, I can't criticise Richard Inkletter for picking this part of their relationship. But for the third movie in the series, I don't think generally this is what the fans wanted. And that's a lot of the sentiments I've seen in terms of the story of their lives. But in terms of the story itself, everyone really does seem to enjoy it and... I've got no real criticisms about the story itself. It's just I just wanted the period five years before this, you know, before the cracks show, before we get to that. And because of that, that's where my disappointment, that's honestly where my disappointment is. Not a criticism of the movie itself, just the time that we've jumped and the movie that we missed, which I understand they didn't want to make because they probably thought this was a more interesting take on it. But am I, James, am I the only one that feels that way? Or do you feel like they might have missed the boat by jumping over that section of their relationship? Which they could have done. They could have chose to do that part. But what do you feel about that? I think there's the possibility of, of redundancy in, you know, oh, they're, if we kept the story in Greece, oh, they're walking through Greece and maybe she's pregnant at the time. Sure. Um, but they're still getting along and they're still very sort of deeply uh, and uncynically in love with each other. And that could have started to get a little bit like, okay, we've seen this. Um, well, let me stop you there and ask you, is this the movie you expected then? Oh, I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is this too far along? Because that's what I feel. And I just want to get your opinion on that. This really, for me, the first time I saw it was was a lot like watching a horror movie. Um, there was a lot of like, no, 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 don't say that, don't say that, no, 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 let it go, let it go. 
um, and just that you know you think that their their argument is dying down and then one of them just has to poke the other one and and you know having been through that it's it it's very dark it's very uh it's the first two also i feel like they're disconnected from this one because both times they're not in a relationship in either of the first two um it's just sort of i just met you and i'm just seeing you again for the first time in nine years so they're both kind of in that way very similar in that you know it's these two people who were falling in love but are not in a relationship this one i mean if this had been the fourth one uh it's hard for me to to know like because then they're in their 50s and their twins would be you know like maybe going graduating high school or something and it would be a very there there'd be a missing piece there i'm not saying take away this movie i'm just saying i know that the whole one of the points was to stick to the timeline like they were not gonna make this movie in 2013 five years prior because that obviously in terms of timeline wouldn't make any sense but it just i'm just talking in terms of flow i just think a lot of people were expecting that movie you know mm-hmm. and i personally feel like this is a character-based movie a dialogue driven movie if i got that movie where judy Deppley was you know eight months pregnant and they're handling it and you know ethan hawk is beefing with his ex-wife and all of that i feel like the richard linkner as a screenwriter and a director i think it would have been a phenomenal movie because again the actors, I think, the actors and the writers always pull it off, and I think it wouldn't have been, I actually don't think it would have been a predictable movie, I don't think it, because the second one was phenomenal, I think it would have just got better and better, and even this movie, officially the third one, is good, but again, I just have a problem, and it's so much harder to digest and accept, especially the way it ends, which, in my mind, is similar to the way the second one ends because it ends on a kind of a cliffhanger. You don't know what's going to happen, even though the tone of the movie is so dour, in my opinion. Because I, I, let me let me put it this way: when the movie starts, it starts off on a somber note, in my opinion. Ethan Hawke is seeing off his son, and you could tell he's feeling guilt. And this is like the underpinning to the whole movie. It even is the basis of one of the big arguments, probably the big argument at the end of the movie, anyway. And just that note of the loss, you can see he's got so much regret on letting his son go. And it's a constant big part of the movie. And through most of the movie, they're bickering. They're taking light jabs at each other and she's making jokes. And, you know, but I just felt like it started off on this slightly dour, somber, negative note. And it just continues for the whole movie. Really what it starts off with is the consequence of the end of the second movie. You know, the, the second movie, it ends and it's like, you you want him to stay. You don't want him to get on that plane. You want him to stay. And then the third movie, it's like, okay, he stayed. And this the is the result yeah. of what happened when he did that. And if I had a crit- criticism, though, in, in that way, you never really see, you know, he's talking about his son the whole time. And he doesn't seem as interested in his girls. Exactly. That's a that's a great point, by the way. And someone could argue, 
it's because he lives in you know he lives with them he's with them full time that's probably why but again yeah I, I can agree with you they might have missed the mark because judy depp these character in particular just i love how kind of cool she's with that he'll be fine he's fine yeah. you missed out on those years it's done we got your family here you know but you never see that even 10 minute connection with them they're literally yeah. background characters that that I don't get. I mean, there's there the one of the little girls gets one line from the backseat of the car, half asleep. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's if the 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 first two movies you're rooting for these two people to get together, and this one is saying maybe they don't belong together. Yeah, maybe they're not right for each other, and these things that they experienced in the first two movies should have just been these singular experiences yeah and um and it's funny because this is you know like i'm i'm it's going to sound like i'm going harder on julie delpley than i am on ethan hawk but i'm going from the perspective of the first movie she was so cute and i would have loved to have dated that person mm -hmm. the second movie she's a little bit more cynical yeah she's got a little bit more of an edge to her this movie i would not want to be with this person yeah like i wouldn't want to have a conversation with this person i wouldn't want to be in the same room as this person she is so bitter and angry and uh and like you said cold i mean ethan hawk can't even bring up that he misses his son without her attacking him well I'm, I'm i'm glad you brought this up because i always thought and again we you know we're living in different times things we gotta be we, when it comes to women female characters we gotta be a lot more open-minded and let's not cast them in certain typecast roles or predictable roles i'm gonna defend the character and say this we don't have to like her we don't yeah. have to like her and i'm sorry to cut you i'll that you finish that thought in one second i just want to jump in and say i felt like it was natural it was kind of a it always showed in her character that yes. she was slightly depressed slightly mm -hmm. cynical and more pessimistic and that grew and grew and grew and grew into this movie which i was disappointed to see and as you've just said which i wholeheartedly agree with i was like this is a person who was developed into a very cold bit of person but at the same time, if Ethan Hawke's going to be with her for all these years, kind of show me why. Because yeah. I do see the chemistry still there, the banter, still the more banter in this one. And I, I don't even know if I'll call it banter rather than taking jabs at each other through most of the movie. But I can definitely see that. I mean, the scene where they're at the dinner party, by the way, which I think is... I don't think that scene should be in the, in the movie at all. Kind of, kind of detracts from them two and just kind of has an open table discussion. But the scene where she's pretending to be a dull-eyed uh -huh. fan, fangirl, was so like, it was hilariously condescending to him on, on purpose, but it was mean. It was really yeah. mean, you know? But again, you don't have to like her. And I felt like it was really cool that Judy Depp, he probably knew how she was being portrayed as a character, which she controls because she wrote this movie as well. And I just thought it was interesting that they basically doubled down. They really doubled mm -hmm. down on her being unlikable and will 
yeah, I'll stop here because I jumped in the middle of your thought. But yeah, go on, James. Continue. The trajectory of the two characters makes absolute sense. Um, and and it is what's interesting is is that uh, he was not Ethan Hawke's character was not at all an antidote for her depression for her cynicism. That's a good point. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't fix anything for her and didn't doesn't even seem like he makes her happy and not honestly watching this movie i don't know what could make her happy um you know his his side of it is he's still kind of childish he's still he goofy you know he maybe he you know like i said the the trajectory of both characters tracks but he seems like he's more or less the same person yeah that he was in the first movie like maybe he hasn't grown which again if you're if you've got that much money and everything in life has come <laughs> so easily for you that you don't maybe have to grow that much but um you know i'm the black i'm the black guy and you're always poking those uh social hierarchy class things that i really should be doing but you're doing that for me james which i really always appreciate you for he, <laughs> keep going <laughs> yeah. um what struck me watching it this time, and it did the first time too, but this time even more so because I, I knew what was coming and I was paying attention. She does not care about his feelings at all. And, you know, she is so, you know, I'm not moving to, the, I'm not moving to the, to Chicago. I'm not moving to Chicago so that you, we can, you know, she keeps saying so that we can babysit for your ex-wife. Yeah. And she hates the ex-wife so much. She has no uh, compassion for, you know, I, her role in screwing up that woman's life. James, this is part of the reasons why I wanted to kind of see that develop as well. Because there's so much vitriol between her and his ex-wife. She calls her a cunt like four times in the movie. And I'm like, wow, this, I knew it was going to be rough. You can obviously see if he stayed there with the kid before in the second movie, this was going to be rough. And basically, the worst outcome actually happened. Fighting for custody. The kid ain't going to leave um, the uh, the US to be with them. You know, they possibly got a move. Ethan Hawke's going to lose the connection. You know, it's a horrible yeah. situation. Horrible situation. Which maybe, I mean, in, in your sort of ideal way that this would have gone maybe the second movie would have taken place in the united states because they do mention that they did live there for a little while um, yeah and um but it you know it's, she says you know uh your ex-wife she's this alcoholic abusive cunt and then a few minutes later when you know she'll say oh your son is fine he's fine he doesn't need you he's fine it's like really because you're you're saying that the mother is so horrible and awful and 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 yeah. borderline abusive. Oh, he's fine. She does not care. She wants to get things the way she wants them to be. Except there is no version of reality where this woman is happy. She seems incapable of being happy, and he is childish and he is stuck in sort of this. Uh, you know, 
his his I'm going to be a I'm I'm a writer and I'm going to sort of walk around and contemplate things and come up with stories and he's sort of living in that uh, that world and she's just in her head all day every day and just seems like she can't experience joy and can't sympathize with anybody because if she's not happy why should anybody else be happy and it's these two people who they stay together because they love each other and they built a life together but again maybe they don't belong together Hmm. and that's pretty bleak but it is an interesting way for the you know we're we're rooting for them so much in the first two movies and in this one you know there's Ethan Hawke, you see this every every few minutes because the, the argument will die down. And then he says something that, you know, a couple of times I felt like, okay, that's pretty a pretty innocent statement for him to make and she's flipping out on him. One time he says something to the effect of like, you know, I fucked up my whole life for you, which that was sort of like, okay, he's being, a, 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 he's, he's, being an asshole and but you see this sort of him deflating you see like she starts in and he just goes (sighs) you know and it is so you know if you've been in those prolonged arguments before you know that feeling of just like oh god there is nothing right that i can say in this moment and a lot of the points he makes, at least in my mind, are very valid. He even says, I'm not saying we should move to the United States. I'm saying I want to talk about my feelings. And she just completely shuts him down. You know what, James? I got a... One of the most disappointing things about this movie to me, and I love the movie. I do still love this movie, by the way, even though we're tearing it apart. Again, this, I, I think out of all of our reviews, let me say this for the record, all of the discussion we've had, this is the one I want to stress to the audience. This is just about personal preference disappointment. This has got nothing to do with the quality of the movie or the actors, by the way. What I want to say is, you got two men and a woman, two two men and a woman writing the scripts for this, and then they make Ethan Hawke the good guy. Judy Deppley is a writer on this movie. I don't know why which I, I do appreciate there are some relationship like this, but it does seem like, I just kept on thinking to myself, the first time I saw it in this time, do you really want to play into the stereotype that women are unreasonable, crazy unreasonable, you know? And I just said, I need, this is why I really want to watch this movie the second time, because my mind, my memory told me that Julie Deppley's character is unreasonable. I said, no, maybe that's just me, the male part of me, saying that whole thing, you know, men, logic, we don't have emotions. Ethan Hawke says this multiple times in the movie as well. Let me just try to see this from Judy Deppie's character's point of view. Watch the movie this time, and it gets, it's pretty even. I hear both of their reasons for, you know, wanting to stay, wanting to go, the work thing, the son thing, that it's going kind of tit for tat. But at some point in the argument, Judy Deppie's character just, seems to not listen just the, the mm-hmm. listening stops Ethan Hawke is trying to break that point in the middle even when he's making some snide remarks here and there but he's like okay okay and she just hears the worst and everything he's saying 
And that's kind of, I just thought to myself, Judy Debbie, do you really want to portray this for this character? Because, you know, it's one thing to, you know, do this kind of movie where you're showing the realness, but it's one thing to make the female character look bad or unreasonable, you know, because she ends up looking unreasonable no matter how I look at the movie. All these years later, she comes off looking unreasonable. And at the very end, and I'm jumping, but we'll jump back again. At the very end, she's so fucking mean, so yeah. cruel when he is given every single olive branch and Ethan Hall's acting the, the the last movie I'm pretty sure I said Judy Deppley was a star in before sunset in this movie before midnight Ethan Hawke is a superstar and yeah. when at the end he says I'm fucking done I am not going to be you think I'm going to be your fucking dog that's going to keep coming no no fuck this if this is it this is it done you know for my distaste for where where the uh, trajectory of the movie went that scene was phenomenal you know and i love the movie went there i really do but i just felt myself thinking damn man you did judy Deppie's character so wrong here she just seems so unreasonable this is so bitter and obviously the movie ends like two minutes after that and at that point i'm just like i don't want to be here anymore i don't want to see anymore and you know that's you know i'll jump back into other things as well but i was disappointed that Judy Deppley, the writer of this character, you know, they decided to double down on this, her being unreasonable to a fault, which I find disappointing. But hey, it's realistic. Some relationships are like that. And I guess it is what it is. I'm just kind of surprised they decided to go that route with the story. I'm just, and again, I, you know, I know that in these movies, basically she writes her character. Yeah. And there's just such a, you know, it's one thing for her to say, I'm a strong woman and I want my career and I'm not going to just follow you around and do what you want to do because you're the man. But there's one moment in the movie where she says, you know, for 10,000 years, women have had to, you know, do what the men tell them to. And, yeah. and that and it's going to stop today with me. And <laughs> I just wow. was I and, and Ethan Hawke had the appropriate response which was like oh bravo something about like i'm gonna call the nobel committee yeah and, bravo bravo um, <laughs> but that is so over the top yeah it really that is. i i don't know if she knew what she was doing in that she was going so far over the top or if this is what she actually believes this yeah. is her injecting her own feelings into into the movie um, I know that from interviews I've read, just talking about like a, a fourth movie that she talked that she sounds very bitter. Like yeah. she feels like, you know, I've gotten to be an older woman and Hollywood doesn't want to cast older women and I, yeah. I can't find parts anymore. So she does have that sort of uh, chip on her shoulder as far mm -hmm. as uh, a, a woman's role in, in these things. But, you know, he rightly points out, he's like, you have the career you want. You don't, you're not a housewife. This isn't 1950. You know, I'm not telling you that you need to do, you know, I'm not trying to force you to do things my way. I just want to talk. Yeah. And she is so adamant that she will not be told what to do by a man. <laughs> that it almost feels like there should have been something. Yeah. If you're going to go that way, make her father a complete asshole. 
you know, and and have conversations about what a what what a horrible, abusive piece of shit he was, and that's why she is so. I don't want to say man hater because that's not the right term, but she is so uh, adamant that men are are terrible and they're 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 trying to control me and I'm not going to let them control me and it's like you have everything you want and and Ethan Hawke points that out he's like you you're not being oppressed and certainly not by me and that's why I have a hard time knowing if if it was Richard Linklater who kind of did that character dirty or if this is really just Julie Depley um expressing her own views I honestly think, and again, you know, in a way, if they do another movie, which I honestly think they 100% will, 100%, whether it's 10 years from now, 100%. I feel like, again, they could kind of retcon this to say that, you know, she was depressed, she dealt with clinical depression, you know, she could be going through a hard time in this movie, but they don't really touch upon that because there was, before we get, you know, because in this movie, that argument just goes up and up and up and up but there was a really nice beautiful point in the movie where she's like you always get like this you know every time your son comes and he goes you get depressed and then you argue you know he's fine you know and you know what she's saying is very harsh but i feel there was a bit of love there you know she was like listen you know you feel this regret it's not your fault you've done your best we've done everything we can that's when they start in going into a bit of exposition about you know the mother being such a bitch about the you know not letting them have the kid or whatever and then she just says you know she, it's, it, before they get to that next level of the argument there's some console there and then when i thought that was nice i thought okay i like this maybe i'm remembering this wrong but then as soon as it gets to the point about her job you know you're taking this away from me i found a perfect job he's like at the beginning of the movie you say you didn't know now it's the perfect mm-hmm. job and i'm taking it away from you you know and it's just like she just becomes so much more unreasonable. I just found myself kind of scratching my head. Don't get me wrong, you know, separating my disappointment in terms of drama, good drama, great dialogue, great to see them go all in. If they like, they were like in the writer's room, you know what? Let's create a great all-out argument. Then you've done the job well. They did the job well and deserve a round of applause. But, you know, in terms of characters, you know, Celine's character just seems so bitter you know coming in you know and saying you know what i know what's happening i don't love you anymore leaves i mean it's horrible i'm like she could not twist that knife i mean she did everything she could to twist the knife in this man's heart and i'm like why do i feel so sorry for this guy i don't want to but you know as a man i don't know this is why in a way i wish we had a woman i want a woman's opinion on this are we just being like is it just me james ethan hook and Richard Linklater being the men here and not understanding what women have got because it just doesn't make sense and it's so disappointing. But, you know, that's what we got with this movie and it ends on that tone. And, you know, I'm actually, you know, this is the perfect time. Thank you. If you think I don't have clips, I do have clip. This is the perfect time for me to play a clip. I've only got two clips, by the way. I'm going to play this clip from three of them talking about the end of the movie and then we'll come back right after this we're really hoping that it will now in the end of the film where do you think um i guess their characters are heading do you think they're gonna last i mean is that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's a fair question i mean it's ambiguous really you know some people a friend of mine saw the movie with 
another friend and they were like, one says, oh, I give them six months. I don't think they're going to get over this. And the other person, what are you talking about? You missed the point of the movie. They're, they're working through their problems. So it's really a mirror. You know, it's where you're at in your own life. And, you know, if you're about to break up with someone and, you, you know, you're out the door, it's, the movie could be a reflection of that. If, if you've endured through, um, you know, a relationship and, and it's still working for you and, you know, you've, that, that it could be an expression of that. Too. That was Richard Linklater. Personally, right at the end, like the last 30 seconds, they tried to throw you this bone to say that, oh, you know, that was a really bad argument, but they're having a bit of fun. I'm like, it did not work. If your intention, if you thought this was ambiguous to me, it wasn't. To me, this was the cemented beginning of the end, which I just felt like kind of betrayed the first two movies. Like, really? The third movie? But because all of these movies is about being with these characters, even if they get divorced, I could still watch a movie about them two talking about their lives and what they thought about their relationship and their kids. The movie isn't necessarily about, in my opinion, the series isn't necessarily about them culminating this love and staying together forever. No, it could be about these two people and their journey through life. It could really be about that. Just like when we spoke about the other movie, same time next year, you know, that kind of thing. But this is the long form version of that in a sense. So, you know, I'll say some more, but James, if you gladly pick up from where I just put down, what do you think? The fourth movie starts with them not together. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's just no way. Um, and maybe they maybe it's their daughter's college graduation and they're both there and then they end up taking a walk together and maybe they reconnect at the end. But at least where this movie leaves off, I don't see it as... Um, you know, I they, yeah, you're right. They kind of throw you a bone at the end, which to me, like if you're going to look at it in the best possible light, that is Celine at the end realizing that she was being unreasonable, that her pride hit, her pride won't let her just admit it, but you know she's she starts to sort of play along with with Ethan Hawke a little bit and sort of. You know, he's doing this cute little game where he says he's a time traveler from the future. And, you know, he, this is an important night in her life and everything. That's another criticism I would have of the Ethan Hawke character. And it goes along with him being immature is he puts such an emphasis on sex. That yeah. even in this moment where, you know, he's trying to kind of win her back. She said, I don't love you anymore. Um he's talking about how, you know, I'm a time traveler from the future and you're about to have the most, you know, amazing sex of your life tonight. And it's like, dude, don't you just talk about like how you feel about her instead of trying to get her in bed. Yeah. Um, that just seems to be his answer to everything is uh, sex, which I do think, I mean, there's a, and I, I don't know what they were, I, I, I think I misremembered this or I'm not getting it, which is do they have an open relationship or did they both just cheat on each other? Now, thank you for bringing this up, James, because I would have forgot. Do you know, for some reason, in my original first watching, for some reason, I just assumed they were married. Yeah, I forgot too that they weren't. Yeah, only from watching this movie, I realized that they're not. And not mm. only that, 
it seems like they don't want to be like Celine. Julie Deppie's character says, I do not want to get married. She clearly states that. And then when she's asking him about did he cheat on her, he's throwing it out there. And this is this doesn't make any sense to me, which I'll explain in a minute. He's like, It does to me, and I'll get to it when you're done. <laughs> okay. Where he's like, I, you know, I don't want to be in a kind of relationship where the parameters of other are defined. And it's like, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys never had this conversation before because it sounds like you're having this fucking conversation for the first fucking time. Yeah. And that makes no sense to me at all. And it, it, you know, he says, I know that you blew that guy, you know, or at some point and she doesn't deny it. I don't know if she's not denying it because it happened or because uh, she's trying to, she, she doesn't want to say, yes, I've been a hundred percent faithful to you when she kind of knows that he slept with somebody else. But I remember years ago after Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman broke up and there was, you know, a little celebrity scandal because he cheated on her with somebody. And I remember seeing an interview with him and he was like, you know what? All great men, uh, have something in common. They all cheat. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, you know, JFK. Uh, and, and so in that moment where he's like, I don't want to be in this. And I remember reading that going, you arrogant prick. Just like, you know, are you comparing wow. yourself to all Gandhi great right men now? Cheat. He actually said that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And, Let's give him uh, a brief. Let's I have to give yeah. him a brief for that. <laughs> I'm a great man. I have to cheat. <laughs> it's preordained. So when he gets that, I remember that was a point in the movie that took me out of the movie because I had read that quote. So I started laughing when he's, you know, going off like, like he's still defending himself about what he did uh, to Uma Thurman. But it does feel weird because the first time I watched it, I just, I don't know why. I just thought, oh, they must have an open relationship and that's their understanding. But this time I'm watching it going, did they never talk about this? Is this exactly. just an assumption? That, that, yeah. And I, I do, again, I don't know if, if she also slept with somebody else or not um, because they don't really make that clear. They don't even really tell you that he did. Exactly. Um, they don't at all. They don't acknowledge it. They don't. No, he, he just sort of, you know, I, 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 get, the, I get the impression he did. But yeah, it it feels like there's a lot of things that maybe he's been afraid to broach with her because he knows how she's going to react. And again, it's hard. I, I I sound like I'm really falling on Ethan Hawke's side, but I can only go by, you know, in that dynamic, I would be him. James, I'm trying not to fall on his side, but the way <laughs> they wrote Judy Stepp's character, they make it very 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 difficult and and what really to me the whole argument this time i didn't realize i didn't remember how centered it is on his feelings about his son his completely legitimate and understandable feelings about his son yeah and you know what kicks off the whole argument is the son calls and you know to tell them that you know he made it to the air he made it his connection at the airport uh and uh she says good luck with your mom and it's a snide little you know i know what your mom is like kind of a kind of thing and and he again rightfully says don't talk shit about his mom to him can i stop you, know? you right there good point let me stop you right there 
Funny you should say that, because when you mention Ethan Hawke, you know, having, you know, there's a lot of sex talk he's, he's been played on, especially about Judy Deppley for being just a, a hound dog who loves sex. He was about to get laid. And that that moment when the phone rang and she was like, yeah, it's just your son, let's, let's get back to bed. He stops that sexual encounter to, mm -hmm. you know, some would say rightly so, some would say, you know, get laid first, then complain later. You know? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? That would have been my way of going about it. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, if you're hungry and, you know, he was sucking her breast before they were getting into yeah. it, I'm like, do you not want to have sex? But again, it was, I, I like the setup for the argument, but I was just like, you, you probably don't want it that much because he would, he really wants to drive home this point. And here's the thing. I was just thinking, you know your wife, you know, sorry, not your wife. Yeah. You know your girlfriend. She's got this attitude. So I'm surprised he was doing this sticking point with her right then and there. Because I thought, really? You want to do this? You know how she is. You know how yeah. she's been through this movie. And you really think you could tell her because he was telling her because at that point, she gave him a lot of outs. He was like, listen, I know, but and he, he kept on going on and on and yeah. on. And again, rightly so. He wanted to make a point, but that threw her over the edge. And that was the that was the true beginning of the argument. And, it, you know, it's, it's again, I, I get his point, And she couldn't acquiesce. She couldn't, like, give him an inch where she goes, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Yeah, uh, that's all she had to say, and instead it's like, no, I'm going to justify why I'm right. Yeah, and his mother's an alcoholic bitch, and blah 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 blah. And there's no, she doesn't really ever try to give him any kind of a. Because th this struck me this time again. I, I I don't know why I remembered the son. Be I thought the son was younger, but they mentioned that he's about to go into high school. Around that age is where if you went back to court the kid can decide where they want to live. That's right. That's a good point. Or or at least like another maybe year. And that, that would have been possible because they keep saying, oh, his mother will never give me anything. His mother will never give me. If we move to the States, we're not going to have 50-50 custody. Blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, no. I mean, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the kid into that predicament. I would talk to the kid and say, you know, where do you want to live? If you want to live here, we can go back to court and we can try to make that happen. You know, but she doesn't give him any options other than um, she basically at one point says, you should go, you should go and, you know, go and take care of your son. And then she says, I'll stay here with the girls. And it's, it's basically a threat. Yeah. 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 It's if you want to go be with your son, you're going to lose your daughters. Yeah. And yeah it's so cold and unreasonable yeah. and yeah. unfeeling and it's horrible it's really horrible again i don't because i'm you know the only acting award uh i think that these movies have gotten is she was nominated for a golden globe for this movie for before midnight which the fact that she wasn't for before sunset is which she should have won yeah. every award for she before was sunset amazing, but amazing before sunset yeah you you get this feeling just watching her that again the first movie she's young she's cute she's kind of she's a little cynical but you know the second movie she's more cynical but 
you know, uh, she's still, uh, this is a beautiful smile. Yeah, pining for him. She's still pining for him. Yeah. This movie, it's just like, oh my God, I would not, I I would, I'd go crazy being in a relationship with this person because everything is a fight and he's trying to dance around it. And, you know, he, he kind of, he, he reacts to it maybe the way that I would react to it, which is to try and diffuse it with humor. Yeah. And she has no sense of humor. <laughs> like, no. No, she and, doesn't. She wants to shut him down. Like, she's intentionally yes. like, I'm not going to let you. I want, like, at the very end when she comes in and they're sitting at the table and he's doing his little time travel job and she's like, this, you're not funny. I don't want to mm-hmm. hear this. She's like, this is some, this is some black woman shut down right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's shutting his ass down like a black woman. I'm like, God damn. This is cold. Good drama. Good drama. But it's fucking cold. <laughs> Even the part, you know, they go into this little, um, this this ancient little church when they're on their walk. And, you know, she's, start, she's talking about like, uh, she's making like a blowjob joke or something. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot you're a closet Christian. And it's like she's mocking any little semblance of faith he might have. At one point, she basically compares all men to dick cheney yeah uh and then goes one step further to to, i think says something about hitler yeah Um, yeah. and it's so over the top that you you, i feel like you kind of gotta think that she knew what she was doing because otherwise uh i would say julie Deppley is a person i never want to meet (laughs) because if she's like this in real life it's and and she's the one that you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this, has shut down talks about a fourth movie. Oh, well, uh, we will get to that because that is fake news. I don't have a, fa- I don't have a fake news sound effect, <laughs> but that, James, is fake news. Well, and I know it's in, they, they said, oh, she she doesn't want to do it. And then she said, no, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just don't, we didn't have a good idea for it. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think Ethan Hawke and Richard Linklater wanted to do it. Yeah, and they did. She's the one that said, no, it's not time. We're not ready to do it. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I would hope that that maybe they could somehow soften her with age, like she's not as angry with, you know, in another movie. Because if she follows down this trajectory, the way that I would, you know, think of it going is Ethan Hawke has divorced her. The daughters have gone to live with him because they can't stand her. And he's got a new wife? <laughs> he's got a new wife, and... It's because, yeah, I, that, you know, I mean, you, you're right. We sound like we're shitting on this movie. This movie's great. No, I'm not shitting on the movie. Yeah, it's the direction they've decided to take with the yes. story, which is the critical point for us. I, I don't even have the prob- problem with the direction they took the story so much as the, the characterization of Celine, because mm, yeah. this is not a person that, you know, when when she walks out and says, I don't love you anymore. I almost feel like Ethan Hawke should go, oh, thank God. I, I, get, to, I get to get out of this now. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, she feels, I think, you know, I'm just interpreting this, <laughs> I'm hoping, she feels some guilt because she knows how much he gave up and how much, you know, that her part in breaking up a marriage in, 
you know, him not getting to see his son. Um, she understands that and feels guilty and can't cop to it. She has to sort of push it to the side and say, no, the patriarchy is, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to tell me what I should feel and what I should think. And I'm my own person and I'm a strong woman. And, you know, it's, she's just so grating that it, it feels like the, if the movie would just sort of acknowledge that a little bit more, like he, he, he only really calls her on it when they're fighting. Yeah, but yeah, she's yeah. like that the whole movie. Well, this is why when she said to him, you're always like this when your son leaves, I wonder if this is how he is when they leave. And again, I don't think he's being unreasonable. He's sad that she said, but is he, it sounds like what she's really saying is whenever your son leaves, I have to get defensive, really yeah. defensive because to handle you, you know, but when it's yeah. just me, you and the girls, it's all good. Because that's what I'm kind of reading in between the lines of what she's saying. And that's maybe where you're you're right. Like seeing a movie between these two where you could see that. Uh, where the girls actually get to be characters. And you get to see their domestic life. Because they're on vacation in this. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's even where they take it at the end. Where, you know, she's shitting on the people that have been their host. The people who uh, got them this hotel room and uh as a thank you you know and uh she has absolutely no appreciation for anybody in that moment she is so angry at everybody and everything and she's had this amazing summer in greece you know at the, this villa in greece and she's like i didn't even want to come here and uh, uh yeah it's just you feel this just constant bitterness and like wallowing in it and again i i can only imagine that julie Depley really does feel this way and feels like no this is just me being so tired of men keeping me down and everything maybe um but again it's hard to if if the movie was about uh her and she has to drive a lyft or an uber and uh you know they're barely making ends meet and mm. she's not on a fancy trip in greece maybe then you could kind of see where she's going with it but as it is i i get the feeling like ethan hawk just has more of a um appreciation for life in this movie and he he kind of gets like wow i have a pretty great life i mean it's not perfect and i wish i saw my son more but you know, I, I, I love this woman and I love my, my kids and uh, I get to be a writer. I get to do the thing I want to do. I get to, you know, live this life and this is amazing. And she's just never satisfied. And you're right. It does. It's it's very hard for me to imagine uh, a situation like a person who would watch the movie and take her side. Yeah. I, that, and again, I, I didn't it disappoints me that that's what this movie comes down to. You feel like you're taking Ethan Hawke's mm -hmm. side. And let me be a little bit critical towards Ethan Hawke now. Yes. Um, so when the movie starts, the one big scene in this movie, which I I know what he was going for, but I actually didn't like it as much, which is the dinner scene. You see Ethan Hawke mm -hmm. with his friends, his writer friends, and Ethan Hawke, man, he becomes 
the most pretentious fuck <laughs> of all time. When he talks about yeah. the ideas for his book mm-hmm. and the sequel to the book he wrote in the second one, it sounds like the most pretentious, highfalutin bullshit of all time. And even his friends are like, this sounds crazy. And he thought, like, no, 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 it'll be funny, it'll be funny. And I'm just like, dude, you really have become, even though he's a nice guy and he was likable, he is just, in La La Land, it's like, I don't like this guy's, you know, as a writer. But again, he it's not obnoxious. He's just, no. his, his ideas, it's just like, I don't know. You've kind of gone off on one, you know? The whole scene at the table with the friends, if we want to talk about Woody Allen scenes, this is the typical. In fact, let me, let me cut away from everything I say and say something very interesting. So Richard Linklater has said, all three movies they can work on their own, right? Yeah. I tell you, I pose this to you, James. This movie, on its own, those other two movies don't exist. This yeah. movie is so much, probably the most Woody Allen of them all, mainly yeah. because I like, you know, when he's, when um, him and Judy Depley are there having that dinner with their friends, they're all talking about their lives. And other things. I'm like, this is Woody Allen one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I've seen this in so many Woody Allen movies. And to be honest with you, because the first movie, they were the central focus of the movie. And they did run into some people in the the first two movies, particularly in the first one. I didn't really like them having this dinner talk. And even though some of the things that other characters were okay and interesting, I just thought, I love the idea of focusing on these two characters. And even even if they did have that dinner scene, I actually think it would have made sense if it was actually at the end after their argument. I think that would have been a better cool cooling off part of the movie rather than starting with that, then them walking off and then the movie escalating into this crazy explosion, you know? This scene, I just thought, I just don't think it works that well in this movie. It's not really adding that much. And these other characters, you know, they're, they're not all that interesting, really. There's a young character, there's an old character. It's like they're all in different places of their lives talking about their perspective. It's very clear what Richard Linklater was going for I just thought you know what Richard Linklater has already done the impossible he made a movie with two people spouting dialogue for two movies constantly and they're both fucking great so don't don't change now just stick to that shit on the third one too because when they eventually leave on their own and it's just them two the movie's so great so personally you know I don't need this shit with them with their friends fuck them I don't need it it's funny because there's I had I had two reactions at the same time. First reaction was this looks like a really fun dinner. I would like to be at this dinner. These seem like really nice people. The other side of me was like, fuck, it's half an hour into this movie. When does this yes, dinner end? Exactly. And because they're nice and that's maybe again where the the movie could have maybe given uh, Celine more of a perspective is maybe if those people weren't so nice, if they weren't so lovable, if maybe the the uh, the uh, husband who is like around their age, maybe if he'd been leering at her the whole time or making advances on her, or maybe if the older guy who was you know the host, maybe if he was kind of a crotchety old fuck, or you know if the younger couple was obnoxious or something if there was something where she could say like i had a miserable time this summer like he had a great time because he's hanging out with his writer friends and he's getting to be in his world and she had a miserable time then 
you could maybe take her side a little bit more and maybe that dinner scene then would have made more sense yeah to be in there but as it stands when she at the end of the movie when she's really just going off and she's like going off on the people that they were just eating dinner with you just like wow you're being such a bitch right now and you know even the, these people paid for them to have a couple's massage she's like what is that that's creepy you know that's creepy and blah 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 and and i loved his response where he just like flops down on the bed and he just yells you don't have to do it yes yeah i thought that was great i thought that was great yeah and yeah the dinner scene could have informed her character more but instead yeah. what you get is her being the sour person in this very warm uh almost sort of a caricature of what greek people are like do you know at that point i don't know if you remember this even at that dinner when she obviously pretends to be this dull-eyed fan uh-huh. then right at the end she actually brings up his son and they almost get into yes. an argument at the table mm-hmm. and i was like what the fuck man where yeah that's one of the times where she says he wants us to go there so we can babysit yeah and yeah. it's like that that i almost again these people are being polite and everything but it almost would have been good to cut to them looking uncomfortable exactly i think so i think so like i said he's not at all perfect in the movie no and you could have easily made him um more difficult to be around you're immature you're childish whatever but he keeps making these valid points where he's like i'm the one that picks the girls up from school you don't get home till six o'clock i'm the one that take care takes care of them the, the whole time and he says six thirty, and she's like six o'clock and that's her big sticking point because she keeps saying, I come home at 6, not 6.30. And it's like, you're not listening to the point he's not making. Listening he at all. Yeah. is contributing these things that you're saying he's not. And your, your quibble is that he's off by half an hour. And it just, it's so difficult to kind of judge this movie. Um, that, like you, you were saying before, if the first two movies didn't exist. Yeah, I would hate this movie. Do you think so? Because I, I, I would find it if this movie was on its own, and I saw you know Ethan Hawke go at it, and you know Ethan Hawke's one of my favorite actors. I've seen mm-hmm. him do many, many roles. You know, I love Gaika. That's one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies of all time. Where he met Uma Thurman, and I really, hmm, it's it just it just really bothers me that this movie feels off kilter in the guise of mm-hmm. the other two because they decided to take a character in a certain direction where if you compare it against the other two, it just doesn't seem that way. It's just such a big jump for me. And that's why I, you know, great movie, without a doubt, it's a great movie. I don't enjoy it as much as the other two. No, I don't either. It's it's not, the other two are like, these are things you would want to happen to you. This one is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And yeah, yeah I, I, you know, you compared it, you said the, like, can kind of compared it to same time next year. Well, the, tra- tra- the trajectory, I, right. I feel like the trajectory can go in that direction if they want. They might not, but, you know, time will tell. You know, in that movie, those two listen to each other and they, even when they fight, you have this feeling like they really love each other. And I got the feeling through the entire movie that she could not stand him. 
again, if again, your idea of like this being the fourth movie, if you got to see more of him, maybe, you know, the third movie is they're living in the United States. She's pregnant. Maybe this is when he's cheated on her. They have the, this sort of maybe kind of a crisis, but there's still so much love and they're younger and they're able to kind of uh, bounce back from it here here they're just they've gotten to an age where they're just starting to get tired and she cannot deal with it and i almost wish that you know ethan hawk and this would have just made the argument so much worse if he was like when are you going back to your therapist when are you going back on your meds because this woman is depressed to the point where she needs to be medicated I think she mentioned that she's depressed in the second one. I don't think, I don't even think we're guessing. I think she mentioned that in the second movie. She does. And she's definitely, all the stuff that she gets to in the third movie, it completely tracks with where she was at in the second. Disappointingly, yes. Disappointing. You know, she's, she talks about politics and, you know, she's, uh, she hates uh, uh, the Bush administration and she's, you know, all that stuff is in the second movie and it, it does, follow through to the third movie and it makes sense it's just she has gotten so and we keep i keep saying that she's gotten so bitter that it's just hard to it's hard to feel anything but kind of not contempt but to feel anything other than just like i don't i don't like this person and this person that she's become i don't like this person but are we really seeing the whole picture that's what that's my true disappointment i'm like I can't really believe Ethan Hawke's character Jesse would stay with this woman for so long if it was really like this. We've, you know, reaching link that I might have decided to take a snapshot of the worst, lowest point of their relationship. And again, I didn't get to the build up to their love and coalescing is beautiful in the first two movies. I never got to see that love for one movie like completely them as a unit i didn't get to see that unless you count waking life yeah <laughs> and even in that bit they were just spouting nonsense but a <laughs> good catch good good catch james but yeah so this movie that that honeymoon period is over you never saw yeah. it you hardly hear about it you just hear about a lot of drama massive argument and um yeah i'll just kind of wrap up my thoughts now going back to that Woody Allen angle I was saying this movie on its own none of the other movies existed I can see him making this movie for you know the scenery for the argument mm -hmm. I've seen Woody Allen do exactly this Woody Allen's done this a lot a few great dramas about a relationship and you know it blowing up you know husbands and wives great example mm -hmm. you know so very much in Woody Allen's wheelhouse you know, very well written, dialogue written very well, beautiful, that last shot, even though I have a big distaste for how it ended, that shot with them having, you know, the midnight dinner by the river, wonderful shot, looks beautiful, gorgeous, but, you know, I, well, actually, let me um move on to what I heard about the future, as you mentioned before, you know, so during the pandemic, you know, a lot of studios was on hold, Richard Nick, you know, Ethan Hawke, you definitely weren't doing anything, and they thought it was all over Reddit because they were being interviewed about, you know, their careers. Like, you know what? Wouldn't this be a great time 
to do another before movie or after movie because I thought maybe now they should go into after midnight, after data, you know, whatever. Forget the before. Let's go to after now. And as you said, James, Ethan Hall, Richard Linklater, I said, we got some ideas. You know, we want to do it. We've pitched it to Judy and, you know, she said she doesn't want to do it. And, you know, they've said that in, you know, in the past, Judy definitely got so much heat, so much heat from this, from fans of the series that she had to come out. And as you said again, she said, no, no, it's not that. We definitely have had talks about it, but the right idea hasn't come. She says she's up for it, but basically they can't agree on something. So what it sounds like to me, what I'm hearing is they all have to agree on a script. The two guys agree. She doesn't. And Ooh. so far, they're at a stalemate with that. And until they can all agree, it's not going to get done. But again, when I look at this movie and I see the characters, they just they carry they carry the movie with the dialogue and their life story. And as Richard Linkler has clearly shown in this movie, this isn't a smooth road anymore. So anything to me, in terms of the story of their lives, anything's on the table. They could both get remarried and have a movie about them cheating on each other, or you know, one of them's married, another one's married. You know, I don't know, but. I, 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 have, I hardly have any doubt they're going to do another movie. I just think, as you rightly said once again, time's going to have to pass and Judy Deppley's probably going to have to soften up because oh. I just think she doesn't want to do it right now. And I think over time, you know, if they want to talk about how relationships develop, there's so many things can happen with their kids and with their lives, their own relationship, whether they're friends or divorced or whatever. I don't see why they won't put that to film. So I have no, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. There's another movie coming up. I just don't know when it will be personally. It could be 10 or 20 years. And I would, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't do it. Cause I was absolutely thinking they're going to do a fourth one in nine years. Um, I think as long as it does deal with them in their fifties, uh, I think if you, cause it's kind of a bigger jump if you suddenly, if it's 20 years in their, in their sixties at that point. Um, and you miss that midlife kind of, uh, uh, existence that they would have and their kids graduating and everything. I, I would love to see it, a movie where they have worked it out and they're, they're still together, but, um, it might just be more interesting. I think all of them, uh, Ethan Hawke for sure, but I think the other two have both had marriages that have broken up, and yeah. um, maybe that's how they would relate to it is just being a divorced person. And, uh, these two, like I said, maybe their kids are graduating from college or something, and they they reconnect and and they wherever they are they're at, you know, I'm sure it would be. I think uh, Richard Linkletter said Italy would be was an idea that he had, but. Um, mm -hmm. You know that these they they go for a walk in Rome or something and talk about where they're at in their lives and even though they're not together and um you you maybe that would be a good just sort of ending to it too because after that there's no reason for those two people to really see each other again uh, maybe their kids have have kids of their own and whatever but um yeah just it I, I just don't it you're right this it almost Again, I like this movie, but the way that it it has ended up, it takes you from the first two, which are almost like the fantasy, 
and then it drops you into reality immediately yeah. and you have no you have very like these little sporadic moments throughout where you're like there's jesse and Celine. there's the two of them and they're still in love you know and you know she's sort of teasing him the way she did in the first two movies and he's still horny like he was in the first two movies but it keeps getting undercut with this her taking these jabs at him and being really cruel to him and i just i can't imagine a fourth movie where they're together it just you're you that that you're right the, the like a good title for it would be after um, <laughs> yeah. because it would be after their relationship is over and that yeah. would I think kind of have to be the end that'd be the last movie maybe which would end it on an incredibly depressing note but this already kind of ends it on an incredibly depressing note yeah unless they could pull pull off an Annie Hall if they could pull off you know Annie Hall ends beautifully where he's like I'm glad that I was with this person uh, it didn't work out we you know we ran into each other and we had lunch and it was really nice and that was the last time we saw her but i'm glad that i was in this relationship if they could pull that off then uh maybe it would end it on a more satisfying note but i just don't see it ending with them together yeah i'm honestly pretty much in, a, in agreement with you and i feel like i've pretty much got everything off my chest about the movie mm. um yeah you know, watching it again wasn't as hard as I thought it would be, to be honest with you. Because, again, once you've seen that argument at the end once, that yeah. first time, whoo. But once you know what's coming, it's a bit more easier to digest. And, you know, I'll, I'll end it on a positive and I'll say a massive commendation to the actors. They did a great job. And when I saw Ethan Hawke and Judy Deppley on screen, you know, they're presence and chemistry together as actors is great and you know you know they do really great work and you know it's a shame they didn't take the opportunity to do a movie recently i hope they do again if they didn't ever do another movie i would actually be more disappointed because i just think the tone of this movie ends is just just a bit too somber way way too and you know we heard richard ninkler say you know you could take your you know your own reflection and your own perspective i'm like no i i think it's pretty clear this is definitely on the downtread really and, yeah. you know but you know but in, in saying that my last clip is ethan hawk talking about how he feels about the movie this is a just it's kind of a random clip i wasn't even gonna play it but i just felt like one of the things he said was kind of like is he kind of meh on this movie now so let me play this last clip and then we'll wrap up the podcast but I knew when I watched the film, I watched the film with my wife and I knew that when we watched it, you know, she had been a part of the dreaming of this movie and she knew how important it was to me and, and what the goal of the movie was, you, you know, that, and it was clear to me, it was clear to me that we'd done what, what we wanted and how the world was gonna respond to it, I didn't know, but, it, that felt good. Like, okay, if she feels that way, then we're in the same ballpark mm -hmm. as the other two movies. Because the big fear, right, is that we've totally dropped the ball. I mean, it doesn't have to be the best of the three. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be, but at least it needs to be made by the same people, you know? Uh, and you'll have faith watching it yourself in another five years, or? 
I have no idea. Uh, really, a part of me does feel that this it might be done now. There's something beautiful about. But I mean, just watching this movie yourself. I mean, in terms of oh yeah, accepting I will, watching yourself on I screen. I know what it's like to watch it for years. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a human being. I watch things and go, shit, man, wow, <laughs> Jesus, Oof. you know, because all the self-conscious stuff you try to put out of your head to to perform, mm-hmm. kind of. The funny thing about watching all three is, you know, people talk about aging and everything like that. What's fascinating to me is my voice. This is so silly, but it's the thing that's aged the most. I mean, watching Before Sunrise, I I sound like a young boy. 20 years is a long time. It sure is. Yeah. (laughs) And I wonder if it's going to be another 20 years before we return to this universe. But he sounded like he wasn't sure about the movie. I watched. He's like, you know, I don't know. Well, I think, the, you know, we're, we're the, it's the same reaction maybe that we had, which is, it's the movie that it, it makes the most sense that it turns out this way, but it's not the movie you wanted. You don't want Luke Skywalker to end up bitter and alone on an island. No, you boy. want him to have the same <laughs> adventures. Yeah, true. you want him to continue, but it makes sense for him to kind of maybe end up there. That's a but good you point. Wa- That's a great you point. You want him out there like he's still twenty-two years old, swinging a lightsaber. You want Jesse and Celine to be to have that happily ever after. And can they I don't. can I just put a disclaimer? James defending the Last Jedi is not a reflection on Planet Tyro or I anything. Didn't say I, just, I didn't say I'm defending it. <laughs> I was joking. I had to throw that joke in there because he's he's defending the Lost Jedi. No, that's a whole other conversation we could have about my feelings about that movie. But um, Ryan Johnson's the best. No, 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 he's not. All right, keep going, James. Sorry, I had to I had to cut you there. Go on. But it's it's, it's again, it's not the like. But if I was going to defend anything about the Last Jedi, that was something where I'm like watching it, going, "Yeah, okay, Luke isn't." 22 years old anymore sure. he's older he's gonna be more bitter he's gonna be more cynical that makes sense that he's not acting exactly the same way that he would at the end of return of the jedi and them acting the way that they're acting in before midnight makes sense yeah. it's just not the way that you wanted it to go pretty much Pretty much, James, and I'm actually going to let you have the last word on that because honestly, I've spoke, I've, I'm, I'm all talked out, man. I really am talked out, and I feel good. I feel free, man. I feel free. <laughs> Let's hope that you know we're talking about the next movie at some point, and hopefully we're we're still alive, they're still alive to actually yeah. do that, have that conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was thinking about this as as you were playing that clip. This is the romantic equivalent of saving private ryan <laughs> jesus <laughs> it's it's not fun to sit down and watch but you know if you get like something deeper out of it the first two movies are fun you want these things to have happened to you and this is you know again this is the reality this is reality you, check. <laughs> you had this this amazing magical moment when you were young you've decided to follow through with it this is where you end up it's bleak but it it does make some sense i appreciate the movie james and more than that i, I really appreciate what you said there 100 percent true and again 
hats off to Richard Linklater, Julie Depley and Ethan Hawke. They made a, 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 a damn good movie. But, you know, uh, boy, as a series, it, this definitely makes this as a series peculiar. This is, mm-hmm. Let me just say that to end that. But anyway, James, uh, I believe that we're done with this discussion for Before Midnight. The trilogy discussion is over. So on that note, James, can you tell us what we're going to be talking about on the next recording? Well, the next recording is my pick, and uh, it's one that may seem uh, like it's coming from left field, but I think when we start talking about it, people might understand why I picked the movie Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, the brand new movie, the newest movie that we will have talked about on here. A lot of these movies are older, and uh, this is brand new movie so that will be what we discuss in march or for saint patrick's day hey that, that sounds great and you know what i think i want to make it a mandate to throw in every year kind of a more recent movie i mean the same year let's try to get one or two movies in there so where you know we got a finger on the pulse a little bit just a little bit before we go back to these old and goldies and stuff so yeah well and to show and to show uh for people who are like, oh, fuck Woody Allen, to show that his influence is still felt. You may not like him, but you cannot deny the influence that he's had on cinema. Nope. And Woody Allen's still got tons and tons of fans. I know that people are just waiting for him to actually die before they can, like, come out of the closet and be like, yeah, he's dead, you know, that guy. He did some great movies, even though, you know, his past was questionable and who knows if he really did it or not. But, you know, so, yeah. But your pick sounds great. We'll talk about why you picked it, which, to be honest with you, makes sense with me, Kenneth Branagh. We already spoke about a Woody Allen movie with Kenneth Branagh, so there's already a connection there, but even a deeper connection to the movie in general. So, yeah, more than happy to talk about that with you. James, thank you so much for being with me on this discussion, sharing your thoughts, dropping those bombs. Triggered. I pressed the wrong button. I said triggered, so I meant to do this. James is always dropping those bombs. Yes, sir. Where can the people find you on the internet if they want to get in contact with you? Where can they do that, sir? Manic-expression.com and you can always find my books on Amazon. Yes, you can. You can also find me on Twitter at Planet Tyro. But don't forget, we've got a link tree link. If you click on this one simple link, all of our links are inside. The Twitters, the Manic Expression, James's books, everything's there. If you feel like supporting us, once again, leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a hell of a long way. And if you got any money, you don't mind sharing, you know, throwing our way, give us a few bucks on Patreon. Links will be in the Linktree link. But on that note, guys, we're going to love you and leave you. Thank you for sticking through with this one. If you made it to the end, we love you forever. And we hope you stay safe, feel great, and have a great rest of your day. Peace out.